Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly, in justice for Tyree, investigating the Memphis PD. Beat by five black cops. Did you think, cause you was black, we wouldn't say nothing? The horrific and brutal beating that stopped the world. Five black officers facing charges and now being called monsters and savages across social media. This is one of those rare instances where they went too far and someone lost their life. Holding the officers accountable, their elite unit now disbanded as communities in Memphis and across the nation rallied for action. Then, in an exclusive interview, we hear the frightening details from one man who says he encountered the same Scorpion unit responsible for the beating that killed Tyree. The person got out the car was like, freeze, put your hands up or I blow your ears off. We get into the debate about black policing in our communities. The culture of policing is racist. It's been that way since its inception, since the Fugitive Slave Patrols. As images of the beatings circulate, we investigate the trauma of the tape. Is it a modern-day virtual lynching? And if so, how can we heal from what we're seeing? That's tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Hey, everyone. I'm Mara Escampo, and welcome to Revolt Black News Weekly. Well, here we are again, another black man killed by police. This time, 29-year-old Tyree Nichols, viciously beaten by Memphis police officers and dying three days later. Once again, we have graphic body cam video of the senseless violence, a heartbroken mother sharing her grief with the world, a country demanding answers. But there's also something very different about Tyree's death. The officers who beat him are all black. For a lot of us in the black community, this led to a flood of complicated emotions.
it's just unimaginable. This is a family that lost their son and their brother through an act of violence at the hands and the feet of people who had been charged with keeping them safe. 29-year-old Tyree Nichols was sent home in Memphis this week in what's become an awfully familiar scene. A funeral for a young black man killed by police. But for many, this loss is different because like Tyree, the officers who beat him are black. This is about power. Uh, It's not about black, it's about blue. Beat by five black cops. Did you think, because you was black, we wouldn't say nothing? We will fight black cops, white cops, any color cops that commit crimes against us. All five officers fired and charged in Tyree's death had been with the Memphis Police Department for less than five years and were part of the now disbanded Scorpion Unit. That's street crimes operation to restore peace in our neighborhoods. The 50-person f- the team so aggressive, they made more than 16 arrests a day in their first three weeks of operation. To Darius Bean, 24. Justin Smith, 28. Demetrius Jermaine Haley, 30, previously accused of beating an inmate while working as a corrections officer in 2015. Emmett Martin the 30 and Desmond Mills Jr., 32. Five young black men, two of them former college football players, three members of the historic Omega Sci-Fi fraternity. And some claim Tyree wasn't the first black man they assaulted. The person got out the car was like, freeze, put your hands up before I blow your ears off. Cornell McKinney had a run-in with the same Scorpion unit just four days before the five men beat Tyree Nichols, and their approach with him was just as aggressive. Man, that's the exact same way that they proceeded to stop me, and that's the same aggression they showed, and I, I, was, I was telling myself, I understand how confused and scared he was. Get on the ground! Wait, no. What? Even with my hands reached out in front of me and me not resisting at all and me not being, I still was yelling and shouting that I'm going to blow your heads off of you if I don't see your hands. They had their guns on me. Cornell was about six miles from where Tyree was brutally beaten. While sitting in his friend's car waiting to grab a pizza, they were boxed in. We're sitting right here in the lot. We was blocked in by several unmarked cars. I kept asking what I was, what, what was going on as I got pulled out the car at gunpoint. Thinking he was being robbed, Cornell says the masked men never identified themselves as police, but put him in the back of a car. They actually had to turn all the way around for me to actually read that, that they was with the Scorpion unit. So they went back and searched the car. He came back and said, uh, who gonna rob for this pounders in this car? I said, man, I don't know about no pound that's in the car. And uh, one of the officers walked up and said, uh, I've been following this car up and down the street. And he walked back off. He was like, uh, who finna ride for this pound, though? I said, man, if y'all been following this car up and down the street, y'all see me just get in this car, y'all know it's not my pound. I said, I, I just want to talk to my lawyer. He was like, well, one of the officers said, well, this ain't time for court. And then uh, the other officer laughed. The officer said, ha, 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 
ain't no pattern in the car, man. You can get out. You can get out the car. As music and movies have shown for decades, sometimes it really can be your own people. Huh. You're scared now, huh? I like that. That's why I took this job. The black cop is the only real obstacle. Black slave turned black cop is not logical. Get your ass on the ground now. Get on the ground. Yeah, a lot of people were surprised in this case that the officers were black. Were you surprised by that? Not at all. Being a Memphian, um, what I have seen is that because there's so many of us when it comes to black people, that typically I run, encounter a lot of African-American officers. And typically, they are going to be the more aggressive when it comes to dealing with us. That means that there's something going on in the culture of policing. This is one of those rare instances where they went too far and someone lost their life. But how many times have this situation happened that didn't result in someone losing their life and there's someone who had to suffer in silence? Him and I seen that it was the same five officers that actually done the, the illegal searching over here to me. I was like, man, I actually got away with my life because it could have been me. We wanted to dive deeper into this topic. So joining me now for that, educator and civil rights activist, Alfred Chivy Brooks, Christian conservative and host of the Gray Area podcast, Bryson Gray, and joining us virtually, the founder of Black Lives Matter, Greater New York, Hawk Newsom. Thank you all for being here. Honored. No problem. Hawk, I want to start with you in this topic of the officers being black. What was your emotional reaction to learning that the officers in this case were all black men? The culture of policing is racist. It's been that way since its inception, since the Fugitive Slave Patrols, so nothing changes. Um, and this is not just me speaking theoretically. After college, I worked in a prosecutor's office, and a lot of times it was the black and brown officers who went harder than the white officers so that they could prove that they're black, but not black like us. Many black men in America have heard cops say, I'm not black, I'm blue. Chevy, a lot of people struggled with the idea that white supremacy could be an issue here when the officers are black. Can black people be influenced by white supremacy? Do you think that that was a factor here? Yeah, I think what has to be understood about white supremacy is that it does not require the presence of black bodies for it to be at play. And in this case, unfortunately, you know, we talk about policing being a, being a systemic issue. Thus, the system is the issue and not always the agents uh, who are proponents of what the system is designed to do. And what do you think about what this says culturally? Well, first of all, I think what uh, Hawk said is complete nonsense. And then when you say this is white supremacy, at that point, you would have to prove to me that in these rooms where these cops, when they were trained, they had to be taught in some type of way to... Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Treat black people differently. He can't prove that. So we're arguing from a, a non Yes, we can, actually. There's things called pattern and practice investigations that were conducted by the White House. They were ceased under your boy, Donald Trump, which stated that certain precincts and sheriff's departments throughout the country were operating 
in a racist way. So you mm -hmm. ask about evidence of racism. Mm -hmm. um, when we look at the numbers, we know that black men are two and a half times more likely to be shot by police than white men. We know that black people make up 14% of the population, but they make up almost a third of shooting victims by police. So is that not evidence that there's some kind of racial bias that's taking place in policing? No, because you have to look at the statistics deeper. 1,200 people were shot by police last year, 1,200. 26% of those people were black. That equates to 313 black people. 502 white people were shot. They count for more than 40%. Now, what you're doing is you're comparing it to the population. But why would I be in this statistic? I'm black. So wouldn't it be more valid to compare it to the percentage of people that have police-initiated contact? The issue that I see here is, like, we're trying to play with numbers, right? I understand. We're on a, a national platform, and it feels good to feel right. But if you ignore facts, and we ignore the reality of what's happening, for the sake of being right, you're losing your credibility. I'm just curious, Bryson, why do you want to invalidate the idea that race plays a role in how police interact with communities when that is so widely accepted and proven? I'm not invalidating anybody's experience. If you show me something, like if Tyree would have survived that and he would have said, I was brutally beaten by police, I would have been like, facts. I'll go protest with Black Lives Matter about that. I want to go back to the beginning of this conversation, which is the idea that black officers committed this terrible act. So I want to ask you your emotional reaction to what you saw. I'm disappointed. The white privilege of individualism is something we just don't have. So when I see these officers do an act like this, for me, it's a slap in the face to our entire community because before you put on that badge, you wake up black. Hawk, let's talk about solutions, because you're on the ground doing this work. In the wake of George Floyd's death, there were a lot of conversations about diversifying police forces and the idea that by having more officers, more black officers on the force or by putting more funding towards diversity training, that would reduce police brutality. What does this video tell us about those ideas? And do you believe that more diversity in police ranks is a solution? The idea of police reform all went out the window when they murdered uh, our brother Tyree Nichols. Now, two of the most prominent solutions that I bring to the table are making officers get insurance. Stop allowing these cities to provide insurance for them. That way, if an officer has a number of allegations against them, they are uninsurable and they can't work. Secondly, there was something that I drafted myself called the Blue Wall Bill. The Blue Wall Bill says that it's, if an officer lies on a report to cover up an incident like Eric Garner or Tyree Nichols, that officer will be facing a felony. They'll lose their pension, they'll lose their freedom, they'll go to jail. But in any institution, in any system, in any anything in life, there's gonna be bad actors. That's just the reality of it. Um, I'm not necessarily against what Hawk said either. There's like 20 complaints about one officer that should be investigated and this man should be fired. Just like any in any other, you know, so if you get complaints at your job, you'll get fired. We need a national database for police officers uh, who have formal complaints filed against them. Um, so that no matter where you try to go get a job, that record trails with you. For myself as an educator, no matter where I go, my evaluations, they follow me. So we need a standard of accountability for police officers throughout the country. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you, Bryson. Thank you, Shivy. Thank you, Hawk. Later in the show, we'll have a lot more about Tyree, the human being. We will not let him be remembered by those awful final moments. We'll be right back.
Those are some of the things Tyree enjoyed most, skateboarding, spending time with his son, and sunsets. Welcome back, everyone, as we remember a man, a dad, and a son, Tyree Nichols. The full police body cam video of his beating was made public pretty quickly, which is exactly what activists have been fighting for for years. But while these videos are important for so many reasons, should they be played and shared and watched over and over again? Have these videos become some sick form of entertainment, kind of like a virtual lynching? Countdown to Black Death. The video will be released after 6 p.m. News networks and social media users eagerly anticipating the release of the body cam video of Tyree Nichols's beating. This incident was heinous, reckless, and inhumane. And in the vein of transparency, when the video is released in the coming days, you will see this for yourselves. Then showing the entire unedited video, more than an hour of brutality. A video from a pole camera that catches a lot of the tragedy. All this body cam footage. Just the latest of many videos we've seen in recent years, raising questions about the impact of witnessing so much black death and a debate about whether or not to even watch. African-Americans right now certainly have PTSD. I mean, we see these videos on the news. We see it on Twitter. You really can't get away from it. You know, you don't really often see white people being handled as severely as you see black people um, being handled by, by the police. I mean, killed, being beaten, all of this. You don't really see that with white people. I think anyone who watches this kind of footage, in this case, what happened with uh, Tyree, uh, certainly you will see that you might have anxiety, uh, you might have dysphoria, um, certainly a lot of fear, uh, especially if you're someone who um, comes from Tyree's um, race, you know, as a person of color. If you feel that you must watch these videos, do it in a way where perhaps you can debrief later on, talk about what that experience is. Black death has long been a sick form of entertainment in this country. In the early 20th century, lynching parties attracted hundreds of people, including children. Photos were printed in the newspaper and even sent through the mail as postcards. But later, those images would be used by black activists for a very different reason. Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. To share their pain and to create change. This photo inspiring the anti-lynching anthem, Strange Fruit. And this photo inspired a movement. In 1955, Emmett Till's mother, Mamie, insisted that the world see what was done to her son. Those devastating photos moved countless people to join the civil rights movement. I think that white America was shocked to see the extent of the violence and brutality that black people had to contend with, particularly in the South. You know, a lot of times they would hear stories, but it wouldn't feel real. And so actually having to come face to face with Emmett Till's battered body 
disfigured face was a, a wake up call for those who did not understand the seriousness of the impacts of white supremacy, racial hatred and unchecked power being leveled against African-Americans. If Mamie Till had decided to not show Emmett Till's body and Emmett Till's face, it's possible we never would have even had a civil rights movement. America has given the Negro people a bad check. As you might recall, the talk around body cameras and using body camera footage was alive and well during the Obama administration, which was sold to the public as a method of being able to get justice, as a method of being able to see exactly what transpired between police and someone who might have been killed as a result of an encounter with police. Stop! Now, we've also seen body camera footage be used to justify police-involved killings. Body camera footage can be used to um, decide uh, by a prosecutor, for example, whether they are going to actually bring charges against an officer. One phenomenon that we've seen happen as of late is where officers will narrate things, you know, like he's got a gun, you know, or say things like that um, as the the body cam body camera is turned on uh, and the footage is being recorded. And then they later use that as a justification. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. For their decision to use deadly force. So I do see a lot of manipulation that goes on with regard to the use of body camera footage, but I also see where it can make a difference in a court of law. Can we all get along? When the Rodney King video came out in 1991, many hoped there would finally be accountability for the police brutality LA residents had complained about for decades. Many believed that the videotape was more than enough evidence to convict the four Los Angeles police officers. That didn't happen. All of a sudden I flipped the channel and here's the non-guilty, non-guilty. I started crying. I mean, that that hurt because it was like, it happened to me. I could have been his sister. But activists have been pushing for access to these videos ever since in the fight for justice. Laquan McDonald was killed in November of 2014. But it wasn't until November 2015, a year later, that the video footage was released, disproving original police reports that he was behaving erratically and refusing to put down a knife. Laquan was, in fact, unarmed and walking away when he was shot 16 times. 
The officer who shot Laquan, Jason Van Dyke, was found guilty of second-degree murder and 16 counts of aggravated battery with a firearm and sentenced to seven years in prison. In February 2020, Ahmaud Arbery was killed, but his story didn't attract widespread attention until the video was released three months later. All three assailants, William Roderick Jr., Gregory McMichael, and Travis McMichael, were found guilty. And the video of George Floyd's death immediately went viral after being released by bystanders, leading to the largest protest movement in U.S. history. Derek Chauvin, the officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck, was convicted on multiple counts and sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison. After the break, we're going to dive deeper into this debate. Should we be watching these videos of black death? Is it more important to bear witness or to protect your peace? When the police body cam video of Tyree Nichols' beating was released, a lot of people struggled with whether or not to watch it. If you did, how could you process those images and then heal afterwards? Joining me now to discuss this are therapist and professor Dr. Vaughn N. Gay, activist and wellness practitioner Rachel Ponder, and Darian Richards, a sophomore at Clark Atlanta University and a Gen Z activist, and joining us virtually, scholar Della V. Mosley. Thank you all for being here. This is a really important discussion because this is a conversation I feel like a lot of us are having with our family and friends, people are having on social media. So, Dr. Gay, I'll start with you. From a psychological perspective, what's happening when we're watching these videos as black Americans? I'm so glad you brought the point about talking to family. Uh, we're experiencing transgenerational trauma. Uh, my mother was a teenager, was a young teenager when those videos back in the 60s of cops and German shepherds attacking young black children. Um, I believe I was seven or eight years old when the Rodney King video was released and the verdict came we had the riots in LA and now I have a young son uh, my oldest who's seven years old and now I have the decision to make whether or not I want him to you know see this video see parts of it and then have to have that continuous conversation following that um, do we pass along this trauma when you speak of the trauma, what is actually taking place in the mind? So we call these flashbulb moments. Um, those memories get encoded into our brain. Um, our fight or flight response is actually activated whenever we experience a level of trauma to where we psychologically do not feel safe. And so every time a situation like this happens, there's a part of that, um, that fight or flight that is encoded into our brains. And so now, every time in the future that we see something very similar, it is automatically going back to that reference point, and that's what's actually triggering some of these emotional responses. And Rachel, you shared with us that you generally don't watch these videos, but you did watch this one. Mm -hmm. So why did you make the decision to stop watching them? And why did you decide to watch this one? Well, as an activist, being on the front lines, um, you experience a lot. I experienced some PTSD um, out there and just in life in general, so it was... Uh, a recommendation of my therapist to just take a step back. But then you did choose to watch this one. I Why? did. I did. I think um, I was driving and I heard on the radio that Governor Kemp was going to um, uh, send out the uh, National Guard, I think, in Atlanta. And I didn't know if that was in regards to Cop City or if that was in regards to this video being dropped that day. So I said, okay, this might be a tragic occurrence. I want to know for myself why the officers got fired so quickly 
and I want to see if it had anything to do with them being black or if it was just something like a Rodney King situation. So I wanted to see it for myself. Now, Darian, you're the youngest one here, um, and you know we kind of talked about some of the, the video, previous videos we've seen. You know, you said you were seven or eight when Rodney King came out. I was in middle school. What's the earliest video that you remember seeing like this? How old were you, and what was it? Trayvon Martin was the first time um, I believe I was 12, and I was a child. I remember my mother making sure she made me feel safe in that moment mm -hmm. because I feel like she knew. Well, we, you know, all our ancestors, and this isn't going to be the last time, sadly. And I think the thing that made me so intrigued as to wanting to or feeling like I have to see this video is its uniqueness and the fact that it's so painful to watch. The moment, you know, and this is, this is what has been reoccurring where he calls out for his mother. That reaches every human being. Yeah, and that was actually one of the moments in the George Floyd video that really broke me down because his mother was dead. Mama, get up and get Mama, in the car right. I can't. So he he was at such a place where he was calling out for his dead mother in that moment. Adela, I, I would love to bring you into this conversation because you make the distinction between coping and healing. And a lot of people feel obligated to watch these videos. I feel obligated to watch them professionally, but I also feel obligated to watch them to bear witness. I feel like it's the very least that I can do. So what, but not to judge anyone's choice to protect their peace, but for those who are making the choice to watch, what's your recommendation on coping with the pain that comes with that? And then how do you make the distinction to healing and how do you move towards that healing? You see it, and then some people are in that fight or flight mode, and and they're checking out. And so coping might be finding, you know, watching it with a loved one if you choose to watch it. You know, some of us don't have the luxury and, and have to to take in some of this material. So who can you call on loved ones, and can you all watch it together and process what's coming up for you and talk about where you feel it in your bodies and uh, the thoughts that you're having as a result of it, right? For me, it's. You know, afterwards, I might need to distract myself, right? It's, I'm candy crushing, or I might need to do something soothing, or to watch something then that's affirming me and my humanity and make, allowing me to come back to my humanity. Darian, how do you think it's impacting you, you and your friends that you have grown up with these videos in a way that, that no other generation has? Even with the Rodney King video, it was on TV, but you turn off the TV, you go do something else. But now we have on our phones, I mean, the videos play as soon as you scroll up. You cannot avoid them, and they're happening so frequently. How do you think that's affecting you and your friends? I think largely the generation has become desensitized to a lot of these issues because, like you said, it happens so much. And more so, you just see it so much. Um, I feel like early on, you know, in this day of social media and technology, there's no limit to what you can find out or to what you can see. And I feel like having that access at such a young age has caused people just to naturally, you know, become a little, uh, not callous, but just, you, you know, numb to the pain. Is, is it devaluing black death? to have these images played on a loop like entertainment? What it does is it, it does desensitize us. Um, the value is it, we, we place the tag, the price tag on what the actual value is by our response um, to things that are happening, especially when it comes to state-sponsored violence, um, whether it is something that is being supported. Um, you know, so our response to these incidents really is what places the value. Think about everything that happened as a result of our response to the George Floyd uh, killing. Uh, the George Floyd murder is what that was. Uh, I remember being down in uh, Puerto Rico and can remember walking the streets and seeing Black Lives Matter 
painted on the streets of San Juan. So our response placed a high value on that. Uh, but we know there's so many incidents like this that do not make it to videotape. And we have to ask ourselves, is the videotape actually beneficial or is it re-traumatizing? So then how do you put it down? You know, because yeah. we can't turn off the TV like we could right. when Rodney King was, was in the news and go do something else. It is ever present. Mm -hmm. I know you have some actual strategies. How do you put it down and protect your peace? Well, when um, I actually watched the video, I said, okay, I didn't feel um, the huge response that I probably would have years ago, but I do know myself and I do know my body. Um, in these times, I will actually get off social media. Um, I delete the app off of my phone. I find it interesting that TikTok, for instance, does not allow violence of any sort. Um, I'll do things like go to a sound healing session. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Then I'll go do yoga. I do something called um, TRE, which is trauma release exercises. And it's basically like uh, shaking. Can you show us? <laughs> um, we we kind of do, do it. Sitting? Yeah, you, you can. You, um, it's mostly um, in the feet, and you're swaying from side to side. Your your body weight from um, foot right to left. Um, but the most common form is shaking, and we actually do it when we dance a lot. Um, it's, you can see it in South America. You can see it in Africa. Um, but you can also see it when women twerk. That's a, you're twerking the womb. Uh, you're, you're, you're shaking the womb. twerking is I know it sounds crazy, it. but no, unbeknownst to these women, they are actually shaking off trauma from their womb. Uh, and Dr. Gay, I, I want to give you the final word on this because a lot of people struggle with whether or not to watch because they do feel duty-bound to watch. What would you say to someone who feels that way to free them from the obligation and the guilt that they may feel at making the choice not to watch these videos? Right. Um, again, we place that obligation on ourselves somewhat, but how much we actually absorb, we still can uh, do that in moderation. I really encourage folks to not just dive in completely. It is a horrific video in four different clips in uh, different segments of time. Uh, you know, you don't have to watch every single second of it to really have a true understanding of what's going on. And there is no true obligation to do that in order to prove how much you are in this uh, movement or this fight. Thank you all so much for your time Thank and you. for being here for this important conversation. Dr. Gay, Rachel Ponder, Darian, and Dr. Della. After the break, the one thing you probably do multiple times a day that could force you into a violent encounter with the police. Welcome back. Tyree Nichols, Philando Castile, Dante Wright, Sandra Bland. What do they all have in common? Well, they were all just driving when a simple traffic stop resulted in their deaths. Now many are saying it's time to rethink traffic stops altogether and pointing out that these stops may actually be connected to a terrible part of our history. Some of the most familiar victims of alleged police misconduct have one thing in common. Sandra Bland stopped for failing to signal. Step no, out of the car. No, you don't have the right. Step out of the car. Philando Castile stopped because police said he looked like a robbery suspect. Don't pull it out. Don't pull it out. Dante Wright stopped for an air freshener hanging from his rearview mirror. Hey. I shot him. Oh my God. Kim, sit down. All pulled over by police for alleged minor infractions, all ending up dead. 
I was motivated um, to share this sign and and uh, come down here because I just couldn't sit down and not do anything. Wanted to let the world know we are not safe here in Memphis, Tennessee when we have these kind of activities. I myself have been treated, uh, mistreated by the police as well as Shelby County sheriffs. So it behooved me to be out here. This is going on all the time in this city. This isn't a one-off. We're gonna hear about more stories. They're gonna tell them, they're gonna be told, they need to be told, and something needs to be done. We're not safe, we don't get treated treated the same way. We need to be treated the same way as, as our white brothers and sisters. I have four children and I have my granddaughter here and I think it's important for her to know what's going on in the world so she can be prepared. I never know what, you know, I might encounter. So I'm frightened for my life. The other night I was stopped and I had a 13 year old. My son was in the front seat with me and the officer walked over and I was like, just, you know, startled. I didn't know what he may think he was grown and adult and you know what I'm saying? And so he could lose his life. So yeah, I'm terrified. Trevor stops, I'm always scared of that because you never know what might happen as, a, as being black. 40% of the uh, contacts that regular civilians have with police come from traffic stops and many uh, jurisdictions make a lot of money over minor traffic infractions. Attorney Gerald Griggs says the black population is viewed as more suspicious by police. And unfortunately, for many drivers, traffic stops become a dead end, with police killing an estimated 600 people during these encounters between 2017 and 2022. If you're in a high crime neighborhood, you're more likely to be stopped. Well, who's determining what a high crime neighborhood is? Because the driver or the person being stopped doesn't know they're in a high crime neighborhood. That would be subjective to the police. And then are we talking about police arrest? Or are we talking about police convictions uh, or convictions in court? Um, so those are the type of subjective things uh, that allow law enforcement officers to have ingrained bias. Keenan Anderson, the cousin of BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors, recently died hours after being repeatedly tased by police. Officers who were on the scene responding to a minor traffic accident, an issue Cullors spoke to us about during a recent interview. I just want to say that we truly need to reevaluate police officers at traffic stops. It has never ended well for black people when stopped by police at a traffic stop. These officers need to be charged and given the 30 years plus because this is a lynching. With these stops, some see reflections of the past and an excuse to ask for your papers. Come on, boy. Let's go. In the 2022 film Emancipation, Will Smith plays the role of Peter, a runaway slave who's apprehended by slave catchers. But slave catchers are more than a Hollywood plotline. They actually played a lead role in the history of American policing. Slave catchers were part of the larger slave patrol system, recruited by Southern planters beginning in the 18th century to return fugitive slaves to their enslavers. Organized groups of white men given the legal right to stop and question any black person. When Congress passed the 13th Amendment, slavery was banned, bringing an end to slave patrols. But the practice of stopping and harassing black people still continued, this time run by terrorist groups like the KKK and often small rural police departments. 
When it comes to today's traffic stops, research shows black drivers are more likely to be stopped and searched. Almost a third of those killed in traffic stops are black, a disproportionate number. When we come back, here at Revolt Black News, we're making a change in how we cover law enforcement. I'll have the details. That's Tyree Nichols doing some of the things he loved most, taking in nature, lifting up his son, and enjoying the sun. Well, welcome back. By now, we've all seen video of Tyree being viciously beaten by five officers, resulting in his death. We know exactly what happened to him. But this is how the Memphis Police Department described the incident in a Facebook post the very next day. Quote, a confrontation occurred and the suspect fled the scene on foot. The suspect was ultimately apprehended Afterward, the suspect complained of having a shortness of breath, at which time an ambulance was called to the scene. That's, of course, blatantly misleading. What it forgets to mention is that Tyree would have been experiencing shortness of breath because the beating likely caused rib fractures, a collapsed lung, and internal bleeding. Unfortunately, police statements like this are not unusual. Here's the Minneapolis Police Department's press release about George Floyd. Quote, officers were able to get the suspect into handcuffs and noted that he appeared to be suffering from medical distress. He died a short time later. At no time were weapons of any type used by anyone involved in this incident. Well, of course, we all know now that a weapon was used, Derek Chauvin's knee. The former officer is now serving 22 and a half years for the murder of George Floyd. Then there's the incident report from the Breonna Taylor case. Forced entry, no. Injuries, none. This was filed after officers broke down Taylor's door and fatally shot her at least eight times. Here's the problem with all of this. In our society, for the most part, an officer's word is golden, including in the media. Police accounts are often treated as the official source, meaning you can report them without additional confirmation. Police said is good enough. Well, not anymore. Effective immediately here at Revolt Black News, we will treat law enforcement statements like any other statement. They will need to be verified by at least two additional sources before we consider them confirmed and reportable. Thanks mostly to body cam footage and cell phone video, today we know one thing for certain. Cops lie. We have the receipts. Tyree's death is just the latest reminder. We end the show tonight by honoring Tyree Nichols, the man, the son, the father, someone who loved skateboarding and photography and was just trying to get home. I'm Mara Escampo. Thank you for being with us tonight. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Revolt on YouTube, our Revolt Black News podcast, and don't forget to download the Revolt app. Until next time, good night, everybody.
you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.